Hello and welcome back to Eldritch Girl. Um, this is part 19. We're starting on chapter 12 of 13. So we're <laughs> really close to the end now. Yeah, I think next week is... Oh my god. Yeah, maybe next week is the last one. Yeah... We'll see how it goes. Um, I do have a lot of um, bonus episodes uh, for you as well. So there's a few more of those to come. But yeah, um, I hope you enjoy this part. Content warnings are few and far between for this section. Apart from... Is it drug use? It's not really a drug. Um, just don't put weird stuff in your mouth. Um, it's, it's one of those situations where... <laughs> Um, it's that trope of putting something in your mouth you shouldn't and then uh, hallucinating off it. Um, then there's amesis, obviously. There's uh, family, yeah, more, more of the same family stuff. Cosmic horror, uh, body horror, the idea of somebody being primordial goo. <laughs> um so, yeah, it's a lot of kind of um, the, the, a physical body being broken down and, uh, you know. So, yeah, that, that, that should be quite fun. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, otherwise this is quite a tame, <laughs> this is quite a tame chapter. It's my budget Prometheus chapter, I guess. <laughs> but without Alien. Um yeah. Um, anyway, uh, that there there are there are things that are out there that are coming, but not right now. You have to wait for the build up. Yeah. So so this is going to be a a fun one. As usual, thirteenth is all rights reserved. The theme tune is by Gemma Cartmel, and the illustrations in the books are by Tom Brown. If you do want to read along and you want to grab an ebook instead of a paperback, um, please get your ebooks uh, from anywhere you like, anywhere ebooks are sold, but you can also get them directly from My Coffee Shop, and each ebook has five original illustrations by Tom in there. May look much better in the paperback, just saying, <laughs> which you can get from Amazon. If you want to grab a copy of The Crows, you can do that. You can get that in ebook. There's only three illustrations in the ebook in The Crows and five in the paperback, five in the hardback. Um, and it's also in audiobook now as well. So you can grab that any way you like, or you can go back and listen to series one of this podcast at your leisure for free. And that's the whole novel serialized for you. But if you do want to support me, um, the ebook's three ninety nine. So feel free or just drop a tip for me on my Kofi, that would be very well received and very much appreciated and then I can continue making the podcast and continue serialising my novels for free <laughs> like the maniac I am and um, yeah just uh, pay for illustrations and that kind of thing for my third book which is going to come out soon well I say soon, I'm still writing it at this point in time and it's called The Day We Ate Grandad so follow me on Twitter at CM Rosens if you want updates for that. Enjoy, and I hope that uh, you've enjoyed the season so far. Um, if you want to reach out and just um, say hi on Twitter, I'm uh, always happy for that. Or you can find me on Instagram at cm.rosens. Okay, let's go for it. Good luck. Chapter 12 
the metamorphosis. I cannot make you understand. I cannot make anyone understand what is happening inside me. I cannot even explain it to myself. Franz Kafka, The Metamorphosis. Outside. I thought general wisdom was she'd be some sort of big clawed dog thing, Wes said. The sun, or whatever this place had for light, was gone, and the brilliant moon was higher, casting everything in stark black and white like a high-contrast graphic novel. Wes had watched, powerless, as his little sister choked to death. Ricky wouldn't let him near her, and if he was honest with himself, he hadn't fought very hard. Eventually, purple-faced, she'd thrown up the sticky red mess that was splashed over the rocks, gleaming wetly in the sharp light. It had oozed over her as if it had a life of its own, eating through her clothes and skin, until she split open like a bloody, pulpy flower, and petals of her flopped inside out. What was left was a cocoon, a husk about her height, pulsing gently with a slow, regular heartbeat. It was so quiet in the alien landscape around them that he could hear it, a gentle, muted boom that forced something within to circulate. He had a sense of déjà vu, as if he'd seen the cocoon before in a dream or lost memory, and he realised he'd seen it nearly every time he'd taken one of those pills. Even Ricky looked slightly ill. Well, yeah, she will, but, um... He swallowed. Shit me. That about covered it. Wes wiped his mouth with the back of his hand, bile in his throat. She's only seventeen. I thought we had more time than this. Yeah, well, this place, and it's... You know what? I shouldn't have been a dick. It's stress. You remember, mine came on a bit early, too. You were eighteen, though. Barely. Wes cast his mind back. One minute Ricky was screaming bloody murder at Granny Wend about something. The next he was on the floor, clutching his head as if it would burst. I always thought that was something she did to you. Ricky scoffed. Nah, I did it to myself. Got all worked up. I'd felt it coming on before, but I wasn't sure. You know how it is, how it feels. Fuck yeah. Wes sucked in cool night air through his teeth. Yeah. Haven't thought about that in years, but... Well, recently, I guess a few things have been coming back. Yeah, I know what you mean. Everyone says it hurts, but mine didn't. Wes cocked his head, reflecting. Tingled a bit. Pins and needles. Yours look like hell. Worst pain I've ever had, Ricky said, scratching his shaved head above the bald, puckered lips. Like an ice pick at first, then more like a corkscrew. I could feel it coming out, you know, literally like a cork out of a bottle, except... He gestured. It was out the back of my skull. Everything snapped, broke, my guts hurt. He frowned. Or was that the second time? Full body fucking hurts, I can tell you. Split me open on the kitchen floor. All my organs dissolving, eating themselves in there. He pulled her face. It's not so bad after the fourth or fifth time, but that's not so much because it hurts less, more that you get used to it. Wes looked at the cocoon where his sister was probably some sort of sentient soup by now. Do you think she's in pain? Ricky shrugged. Can't hear her screaming, can we? Even if she is, it shouldn't bother us. Prick. Wes curled his lip, a hot flush of anger, not all of it at his cousin, bubbling up. He shouldn't be here. What the hell had he been thinking? Ricky sighed and gave him a pitying, hooded stare, as if preparing to dumb down a simple concept to humour someone being deliberately obtuse. Even if she is in pain, how can we help her? 
There's nothing we can do. If all you're going to do is mope about it like a bloody old woman, we won't get anywhere near the circle over there and you'll drive yourself nuts. What use is that? So just as well, ain't it? Give us a hand with her. Ricky jerked a thumb at the cocoon. You're kidding. No. You're kidding. I'm not. We're swallowed. What if we left her here? Can't. Ricky spat on his hands and rubbed them together. We need her to get us back through. This is her place. We need her permission. Lock, meet key, that sort of thing. Wes shook his head. Now, hang on. There wasn't a 13th when Grandpa Nathan tried it and he got back fine. Hector was around then. He was Nana Deirdre's little brother. Of course there was a 13th. Ricky motioned with his head for Wes to join him. Let's leave her off the ground. I'll take one end, you get the other. There's no way we're getting her across the chasm, Wes said, but rolled up his sleeves half-heartedly. I don't see we'll chuck her. No. Probably won't hurt her any more than being liquefied is. No. Wes rubbed his face. I'm not throwing her. All right, let's see if we can get her across further up. It looks like it keeps narrowing. You're proper conflicted, ain't you? Ricky said after a second's pause, while he got into position behind the gently pulsing cocoon. Leave her here. No, don't chuck her. Hope she ain't in pain. Bloody, I'll make your mind up. She hasn't taken you off the list yet. Wes sighed, his heart sinking. I know. Don't go on about it. I literally haven't said... Just... Just don't. He got ready to lift from the bottom. Okay. The cocoon was slippery and rattled when they took hold of it, making a warning noise like dried peas in a percussive instrument. Nah, sin built like a real caterpillar. Ricky shrugged it off. Come on, I'm ready. It was stuck firmly to the rock, glued down. Wes put his whole weight into it, or tried to, leg muscles protesting. It came free on the third attempt, surprising both of them with the dead weight of it. Ricky nearly buckled, but adjusted his grip. Bloody hellfire, she's heavy. Wes strained at his end, but once it was more evenly distributed between them, the stickiness latched onto their clothes and hands, making it easier to grip and carry. This is not how I thought I'd be spending today, I've got to be honest, Wes grunted over his shoulder to lighten the mood. Ricky grunted back. Watch your footing. If you go, we all go. That was an unpleasant thought. Wes didn't look down to the right, where the chasm was a dark rip in the rock. He focused on his feet, letting his eyes adjust. Every now and again, the piercing moon glanced across his path as the clouds broke, dazzling him. Ricky did a good job of his end of the cocoon, stopping it pushing him too fast, keeping pace. The slope down to the chasm had his heart pounding, but the stickiness of the cocoon's coating helped him keep his grip as his palms began to sweat. A loose stone nearly sent him pitching forwards, and it was only Ricky digging his heels in that saved them from a nasty fall. Wes could have kissed the flatter surface of the stony ground when they got there. Since Katie's outer casing was now stuck to them in the way it had been attached to the rocks, tossing her over the gap was impossible, and Ricky seemed to dismiss the idea to Wes's relief. At least, he didn't bring it up again. They trudged on, following the narrowing gap until the moon rose higher, and Wes ached in every muscle fibre. "'They ain't eyes, are they?' Ricky asked casually, apropos of nothing. Wes changed his mind about suggesting a rest. "'Where?' Now don't look, let's just get her over. The spurt of adrenaline silenced his body's multiple complaints. Are you knackered yet? I am. That's because you're soft as shit. Come on, get on with it. Wes eyed the crevice at his feet. There was nothing down there that he could see, certainly nothing that looked like eyes. He could hop over, no problem, but this required them both moving at a measured pace. 
Don't stop the other side, that's all. Keep going forward. Wes took Ricky's advice, his heavy, agonised arms about to fall off at the elbows. It was his only shot at getting back to Charlie and Hugo, and the more time he had with them, the better. He'd never leave them for so much as a weekend away again. God, Huey, I'll go with you to every conference. I'll never miss an exhibition, Charlie. Fuck this. I'm so sorry. You're first from now on. Fuck the lot of them. I'm yours, not theirs. By some miracle, he managed to force his fatigued legs into the short jump and keep moving forwards after the jolt of the landing, and he heard Ricky's cat-light thud behind him. They pressed on, Wes focusing on finding the smoothest way forward, trying not to slosh his sister around too much. Fuck, this was bizarre. Must be phosphorescence, Ricky said finally. What? Nothing, look where you're going. Can you stop making comments like that? It's really disconcerting. That's a big word for you. Piss off. Ricky sniggered, and Wes smirked in spite of himself. We never did get on, did we? he said after a few more moments, anything to take his mind off the pain in his arms and legs, the strain in his core, his lower back, the soupy state of his baby sister. Oh, yeah, and the possibility of glowing eyes following them through the wilderness while they were stuck to a giant cocoon. He clung to petty things to preserve what little sanity he had left. Ricky didn't answer. Wes pushed. Way I remember it, we were close for a bit, but I don't think that's true. I think I... I held on to the memories that made me look better... I don't think we ever even liked each other much, did we? You were a bit... I don't know, you wanted my attention all the time, but whenever we got around to doing anything, you just... It was like you'd changed your mind. I've never been with anyone who literally lay back and thought of England. Ricky grunted. If it makes you feel better, I wasn't thinking about England. We were never even friends. Wes kept his voice down, but the monologue was helping. The more I think about it, we were always like this. Speak for yourself, Ricky muttered. Wes sniggered. I must have liked you, at least a little bit. The running away together thing. What? He hadn't thought about that for years, either. Shit, yeah, I'd forgotten that. London, we said. Brighton. Brighton? Wes pictured his teen self, still figuring things out, struggling to fit in anywhere, thinking Brighton's Pride event was the best thing he'd ever been to. But to run away and live there, he reflected. Soho, Notting Hill, places he'd seen in films and on TV, heard about at Pride. That had always been his dream, and now he lived in a penthouse with access to a roof terrace at a swimming pool. You sure it was Brighton? I don't know, you talked about it a lot. London, that's where I always wanted to live. Yeah, well, it was a long time ago. Maybe it was London. Wes heard the disinterest in his voice and scowled. You never wanted to go anywhere. Not really. Christ, you're boring. Ricky didn't reply. Wes could barely see the circle any more. He slowed to a stop and shook his head. No good, I can't tell where we're going. Put her down. They laid the cocoon on the ground, pulling themselves away from it with difficulty. The circle was visible in the distance, jagged layers of rock in the way at varying heights, and Wes couldn't judge the distance properly, or make out how many layers of rock there were between them and their target. The moon found another break in the clouds and lit up the landscape in eerie silver, glancing off the strange shapes and hard edges, throwing his perceptions of deeper contrast and longer shadows. What were you looking at earlier? Wes wanted to know. The things you thought were eyes? Nah, I don't know. Ricky sucked absent-mindedly on his hand, pried from the cocoon's sticky outer membrane. Wes leapt over and smacked it out of his mouth. Don't do that! Bloody hell, you've no idea what this stuff even is! He rolled his eyes. You know some species are toxic, right? 
to protect themselves from predators. Ricky giggled. Don't put me off. That's... Wes rubbed his own hands ineffectually on his jeans. Just don't. If you start seeing fucking bats everywhere, don't come crying to me. I'm an ascetic. Don't mean I don't know how to handle the odd trip. Ricky paused, and Wes watched the familiar expression of mild confusion slip over his face as his eyes unfocused briefly. Core, actually. I do feel weird. Wes groaned. Oh, perfect. Ricky sat down heavily, frowning. On reflection, he said, staring at his hand. That may have been a mistake. Fucking hell. Wes sat down beside him as he began to shiver. You all right? Is there an earthquake? Ricky's teeth were chattering. With a deeper sigh, Wes put an awkward arm around his cousin's shaking shoulders. No, mate, that's just you. Come here. Ricky made his flesh creep, but he pulled him firmly into a hug and let him curl up against his chest. Every muscle was fluttering and he was starting to burn up. Just as well, Wes thought selfishly. It's getting colder out here now. He absorbed his cousin's feverish warmth, listening to the muffled grinding of his teeth. You all right? Ricky? Richard. Richard. Look at me. Ricky gave no indication he could hear him. Wes kept up a firm grip with one arm and tilted Ricky's head up so he could see his face. His eyes were open but unblinking. It was hard to tell what was iris and what was pupil. That was daft. He pressed Ricky's head back onto his chest, holding him more securely. All right, I got you. He held him in silence for a few minutes until the vibrating in his body began to subside and he felt the soothsayer relax. The back lips parted first with a dry smack and a drunken tendril poked out to wave in the air and certainly for a moment only to retreat back in. Wes checked on Ricky's eyes, still dilated but not so sightless. Richard? Don't call me Richard. Wes breathed out. You daft bastard. Is that fucking real? Ricky was staring at the cocoon. Wes gave him a reassuring squeeze. Yeah, well, probably. Oh, shit. His eyes rolled upwards. What's up with the ceiling? Wes snorted. That's the sky. What's that noise? That whispering? Your conscience? Wes wished he was quicker to think of things that might mess with him. Then again, that was unfair. Nah, joking. It's the wind. Promise. There was no wind. Right. Right. Ricky nodded, evidently trying to get a grip on whatever was passing for reality at the moment. I'm fine. Nah, you're not fine. Wes let him curl up closer, wishing he was anywhere else. You're a bloody liability, and in a minute, or an hour, or something, but knowing my luck probably soon, she's going to hatch out and eat me, so get your comfort while you can. He wrinkled his nose, turning his head away from his cousin. I'm not sure how this could get any more ironic, honestly. She's dreaming about you. Great. Wes felt him tense and heave, and pitched him over across his legs to throw up on the ground on his other side. All right, get it out. The splatting puddle reeked of dead fish, and Wes winced, nearly heaving himself. Ricky coughed up a fishbone. Gorgeous. Wes patted his back. More to come, or is that it? Ricky threw up again. Jesus. Ricky shuddered. Don't worry, I won't tell the missus, Wes promised. What happens on tour stays on tour. This earned him a shy smile, but then Ricky shivered violently and curled back into Wes's lap. She ain't my missus, she's... He drifted off. 
I don't think you're going to die. No? Wes leaned back against the rock, ignoring the sharp, jutting pieces that dug into his back. She dreaming good things. She can hear us. That's embarrassing for you. Wes thought back over the past few... hours? Surely it had been a few hours. Had he said anything bad? Anything that would upset her? Maybe we could leave her here. Shit. Are you sort of connected? Sort of. Ricky's tendrils crawled out over Wes's chest and Wes batted them away until they slithered back into his head. Ow. She's... she's making her list. Checking it twice, Wes grinned. Finding out who's naughty or nice? Don't be a twat. Ricky shuffled into a more comfortable position for him and a less comfortable one for Wes, which earned him a poke in the ribs. Cut that out. I feel rough. What's that over there? More rocks, and you'll feel a damn sight worse if you don't stop digging into me like that. Ricky grunted and moved. Wes couldn't remember the last time they'd ever been this close for this long. Probably never. Well, never while sober. Nice that record wasn't broken. Ricky was quiet, his breathing more regular, leaving Wes to accustom himself to the stink of the vomit puddle and the occasional waft of breath. So much for interdimensional travel. Hollywood made it look sexy, all those spacesuits and chrome and dramatic haircuts being torn apart by alien lifeforms in an epic battle for survival, but this was more their family's style. Veni vidi vomiti. I came, I saw, I threw up. Would you want to be seventeen again? he asked, thinking of Katie in times gone by. Not a chance. Ricky was still conscious then. Don't remember half of it, and the bits I do were shit. Oh, thanks. Yeah, what an ego boost you are. You've got an awful high opinion of yourself as it is. Wes squirmed, hating him. Well, this is boring. Maybe I should give that stuff a lick. He wasn't that desperate. Pushing the bile down, he decided to try and sleep. He hoped if anything came out to eat them, they'd go for Ricky first. Chapter 12, Part 2 The beast dreamed. A creature of fear and nightmare, it chased down the things that made it afraid. It was as simple as that. Hector, the only other one of its kind, had been leashed, chained, and did as he was told, until he tore himself apart, wrapped up in the web of his own fear. Not this beast. No such mesh encircled it. It hunted. Soft-breathed, light-clawed, its long tail prehensile spiked club-ended, whipped behind it and sliced through time. It ran through constellations in the vastness of space, through primordial waters, gliding, sliding, slipping tar-slick through the cosmos. The beast heard voices far away. It paused, listened, remembered. Before it crept a man the size of a mouse. The beast sniffed at it as the offering bent on one knee. Yes, there had been fear of this one once, a blood-sack fit for the suckling, ripe flesh, succulent and ready for claws. But he was no longer to its taste. The beast was confused. There should be fear in the kernel of its being, the fear of becoming like this man. It had been there once, but he wasn't something to be afraid of. The beast dismissed him and passed him by. Further on, in the darkness of the swirling stars, a legion of the human passing knelt to the beast. The beast knew deep in its core that it was not like any of them, and yet they were part of it, they had shaped it. But now, what the beast was, what it did, was not up to them. 
Yes, some still glowed with the aura of fear, and those were the ones the beast wanted to rip apart. And yet, the beast wondered, they did not control it. Wasn't it free? The beast craned its great neck to admire its gleaming, impervious flank and thought, Hang on, what's my name again? And realised it was dreaming, dissolving, growing, changing. Its heart was beating in suspension. It had no hands at all. There was movement without motor control. It wasn't human any more, but the eyes were nearly done. Vision, that's what it needed. Her name was Katie Porter. She began to make sense of her fragmented senses. And that was when she started screaming. Chapter 12, Part 3 Wes was nearly asleep, despite the smell and the discomfort, when Ricky jerked awake, shocking him back into consciousness. A low, keening cry echoed around the craggy terrain. That, uh, what's that? It had the same guttural, barking scream as a vixen, the uncanny, almost human quality sending a shiver up his spine, accompanied by an underlying gargling sound. Ricky grunted and shifted into a different position, away from Wes, pillowing his head on his arms. That'd be the sound of your sister realising she's primordial soup. Wes leapt up, avoiding the fishy vomit puddle, and came as close to the cocoon as he could. Oh shit, Katie? The screaming continued, the cocoon pulsing faster than before. The outer casing seemed thinner, and as the moonlight fell on the swelling red mass, he thought he could see curved vertebrae sweeping around in a smooth arc, but it was difficult to make out anything else from that side. He dared to touch it, the sticky red substance binding his hands to the shell. Katie's okay, I promise. I promise it's going to be okay. The screaming died into a series of barking, gurgling sobs. Don't try and get her out, Ricky warned, not bothering to turn over and look. Won't do her no favours, just a break out by herself. Is this normal? Wes realised he currently had a tenuous grasp on normality at best. He shook himself. What the fuck am I saying? Why am I even listening to you? Anyway, you're off your tits on caterpillar goo. What the hell is my life? Ricky was staring at something Wes couldn't see. It's what happened to Hector. He prized a hand off the cocoon, but left the other stuck to it, hoping Katie could feel he was still there. I'm not going anywhere, he promised her. I'll be right here. So, um, if you break out, I don't want to die, all right? But he shook his head, giving up. Shit. He slid his trapped hand down along the side of the swelling outer case, feeling the pulse of panic under his palm. I'm making this about me. Sorry, you're the one in the... There was another barking scream. Okay, okay, calm down. Calm down. Hector had a body, didn't he? You'll have one too. Don't panic. It's just the changes. It's... It can't be very nice. He winced at the platitude. God, I'm an idiot. I don't know what to say. Shut up, then. Ricky was evidently coming down, and he sounded irritable. Try and sleep. You sleep. I'll sit up with her. Wes slumped down by his sister, listening to the gurgling whimper from within. Shit me. Ricky struggled upright, stumbled and stood still, swaying. He came towards them unsteadily, slumping down on the other side of the cocoon. There, now we're both here. He addressed the cocoon. You all right in there? Breathing at least? 
Katie, or rather the thing that was Katie, where supposed, gave a burble that they interpreted as positive. Breathing's good, Ricky said with an air of wisdom that Wes didn't think was warranted. You think there's anything else we need to worry about? What about that giant frog thing from earlier, or those eyes you thought you saw? Ricky shrugged, accent broadening with fatigue. Dunno as they was eyes. Don't matter. Uh, I think it might matter if we get ambushed and eaten. Ricky shrugged. We're with a, what's it called, an apex predator. I don't think anything's going to get within ten foot of us. This is her place. This is the thirteenth's place. That's what Hector found out, or Grandpa Nathan with him, or something. The throne was meant to be his. Would have been, till he destroyed himself. He yawned. This place isn't going to have anything in it that's going to hurt the thirteenth, and us by extension. Why were you so worried earlier, then? He giggled. Wasn't high earlier. Wes sniggered. <laughs> Fair. You won't tell the missus about all this, will you? Ricky added after a pause. Only, I sort of promised her a while back that I wouldn't throw upon her flaws, none like that. He laughed. Promised her that when I was fifteen, I think, but she still wouldn't let me in. Crossed my heart. It took Wes a moment before he realised Carrie hadn't been around back then. She'd only moved in last year. He was talking about the house as if he hadn't noticed it had absorbed a whole woman. He made a mental note to ask about that once they got out of here. And don't tell her I called her the missus either. Of course not. There was a weird staccato sucking noise from inside the cocoon. Wes frowned. You all right, Katie? Ricky chuckled. She's laughing. That was a relief. He grinned, pressing his hand against the outer membrane. Good. He cricked his neck, stretching. Are you all right? Me? Yeah. You finished hallucinating? Hard to tell. Wes sighed. This is going to be a long night.